Thank you for downloading this sponsored podcast presented by Campaign US. For more podcasts, visit us at campaignlive.com. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Campaign US podcast. I'm here with Samba TV, Ashwin Naveen, CEO and co-founder, and Dana McGraw, SVP of Audience Modeling and Data Science at Disney Advertising. Hi, both. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's great to be here. How does it feel to be in Cannes after two years? It's great. It's uh, just the energy here and everything going on, seeing so many people we haven't seen in so long. It's, it's really great. And to see our industry thriving after two really rough years is great. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's really, it's hot. It's a little sticky, I will say, but uh, we missed this and it's been, uh, it's awesome to see people and just an incredible efficiency and in being able to cram 80, 90 meetings into a few days. It's just awesome. It's just, it would take years to do this through Zoom. For sure. It's definitely hot. <laughs> it's definitely a busy week, but it's fun and, and we're all excited to be here. So on the media side, I can, I know can is really all about creativity and, and celebrating the industry, but in media and ad tech circles, measurement is really a huge topic of conversation. So I know that Disney and Samba, you guys have embarked on a big measurement partnership. There's a lot changing in the way that TV is is measured and, and transacted on. So talk a little bit about that partnership, the goals you've set, and what you're trying to accomplish. So we've worked together for quite some time now. So it's, it's really been an evolution in how we work together, and which has been great because it's evolved sort of as the industry has evolved, as measurement is changing. And Samba has been really flexible about that, which I think is why we, we really appreciated how we work together. So over time, it's, it's really graduated to a place. So we work with them on their reach and frequency dashboard and assessments. But also one thing that we really love about these guys is that they're very thoughtful about how they think about identity. And in the measurement space, it's probably not talked about enough. So there's a real kind of conflating of the ideas of measurement versus currency because they're not the same, right? And so when you think about it, there are things you want to measure, but they may not be how we transact together. And so we really appreciated how thoughtful they are about that and then about the identity space because they will speak for you, but they, they own their own kind of in-house identity solution and graph, which if you think about the fidelity of the results of the measurement, it's super important because there aren't multiple hops through a third party to sort of understand what we're really talking about and how you bridge the gap across platforms. Yeah, I appreciate that, Dana. And a key part of this is just the vast scale that Disney controls from a media publishing standpoint across all the platforms, you know, traditional broadcast, cable, streaming, digital. It wouldn't work if we came to Disney and said, we can only count half of that. We needed to be able to sit with them and say, you have an opportunity to, to drive sponsorship across this portfolio that Disney brings to the market globally. We want to be able to count as much of it as possible and accurately so that you get full credit for it and that advertisers can place their ads where they you know, will likely drive the best return for the advertiser, which is ultimately what we, we care most about. Yeah. So so I think that what you just said about counting Disney's entire audience across platforms, that's really where measurement and currency and this, this whole conversation is going. Give us a little insight on how Samba does that. Well, the core of Samba is technology that we put in televisions. We're the global leader in technology that sits within over 24 brands of TVs that are sold in over 100 countries. 
And that technology is identifying what's on the screen, whether it's streaming, whether it's broadcast, cable, video games, ads, or content. We care about identifying what's on the screen so that we can count it. And then with that insight, we do two things. One is we provide currency-grade measurement solutions into the marketplace. We also provide audience segmentation so that um, audiences can be reached very efficiently across all of the media platforms that advertisers have to choose from. So this is really at the core. But as Dana mentioned, how we connect that to the marketplace is through identity. Mm -hmm. It's not great if data sets exist in a silo you know, in walled garden models, or even just completely offline. We really care about making sure that data sets can connect to each other with privacy compliance, but most importantly, in a real-time platform where you can actually make decisions against what's happening today among the consumer base that we want to reach. Yeah. So talk about, Dana, talk a little bit about how Disney views the future of, of measurement in the space. Yeah, I think speaking to that identity piece, it's really important. So for us, and, and we spoke about this earlier this year at our tech and data showcase, 40% of our inventory is connected TV inventory. So if you think about the fragmentation in the connected TV space, that's really difficult for people to reconcile sometimes and understand. So what we hear in the marketplace, whether from holding companies or brands or whatever it is, is help us understand across platforms, a single view. So how should we be buying you differently because of that single view? And how can we measure it accurately across to understand incrementality, supplementality, to the degree that's a word, but this, you know, supplemental messaging and re-messaging and help us understand that. So as we're thinking about measurement, we're really laser focused on that reconciliation across platforms, but the accuracy of that and what does that mean? as worth just thinking about how do you resolve identity across multiple platforms, understand a single buy across those platforms. And for us, it's a really big deal because of our footprint with Hulu, with ESPN Plus, et cetera. But also we still obviously have a very big linear television presence. So we're really thinking about it holistically across platform instead of kind of in these little individual silos of this little piece of this campaign that ran here did this. We're thinking about it holistically but we're also thinking about it by category. Because if you think of reach and frequency, the optimal frequency is not the same for every category. Very different for a CPG or a quick serve restaurant or a retailer or auto. So what optimally do you want to achieve? And in order to understand that optimal frequency, there's some attribution that has to happen on the back end to understand which frequency drove which behavior. So we're really thinking about it from that perspective. Yeah. So it's about it's it's about leveraging the power of your whole portfolio. And then it's also about getting a little more nuanced and a little more specific about which brands you're measuring against. So talk a little bit about... Um, I know that you guys have some great case studies under your belt from working together. Talk about some of the things you guys are doing together to advance measurement and how that's impacted an advertiser. Sure. So we've had multiple case studies. Like I said, we've been working together for years. One of the most recent, we worked with Hyundai to really exactly this. So we can we have an in-house Disney audience graph that has a very high match rate to Samba. So that's very, very important from the start. But it's one thing for us to tell them, here's what the incremental reach was. It's a very different thing for a third party to sort of validate that information. So in working with Hyundai, the insights were incredible in terms of our you know, Hulu presence, ESPN Plus presence, drove much higher incrementality of audience and individual audiences 
than compared to any competitor, any other linear network, et cetera. And we also learned things like 85% of those audiences that were incremental there watch less than three hours of television per day. And so it was really interesting, I think, for them to learn the true incrementality and how hard it is to reach those audiences with that low television viewership when you think about it in the aggregate. Right. Because then you can sort of realize like the, the audience, maybe they're more valuable because you don't always catch them on TV and you exactly get a, little right. more, a little more nuance to what you're measuring. So let's talk about currency. I know this is, uh, we, we sort of started by talking about the difference between measurement and currency. And right now there's a little bit of a reckoning, let's call it, around Nielsen, which is the currency that the industry has relied on for decades. How do you, Disney Samba, view the future of currency? Is it one currency? Is it multiple currencies? What does that look like and how does that all work? It's a great question and uh, very topical. I mean, we're here in Cannes actually engaging the marketplace with this vision that you know we can offer a lot more flexibility to the marketplace today than we've ever been able to. There's been a lot of great innovation. And I think what that portrays is actually a multi-currency future. And the reason why I think that's important now is you look at how our lives have changed you know, over the last several years. And it's only accelerated through the pandemic where we do spend hours a day obviously watching video, but a lot of that's streaming. And streaming has a, a substantial share of our attention relative to traditional media. And it stands to reason that traditional measurement would give way to new forms of measurement and specifically currency grade measurement that lets various advertisers across the every industry, every vertical, basically identify what's the measurement that really drives or connects to their outcome that they're trying to drive. And uh, we've, we've been pioneering this. As, as Dana said, we've got some great clients that have uh, piloted this with us. We've also even worked within Disney, the marketers within Disney who happen to sell a lot of tickets to theme parks and to movies. They push the envelope on methodology and they've been doing that with Samba for over half a decade. So being able to create outcome-based measurement was something that we pioneered with the marketers at Disney and other companies. That is now currency grade. We've also had a tremendous amount of opportunity building our company in the connected TV. We've been set up for this net measure of incrementality from the get-go. And so being able to actually offer the marketplace a deduplicated view into how does linear stack up relative to all the other touch points and then allow media publishers and, and uh, their clients to optimize for incrementality as an outcome as well is absolutely critical. It's table stakes today, given just how popular it is for people to stream or to have cut the cord. Yeah, for sure. And so Dana, talk about how like this multi how do you navigate this multi-currency world? Like how do you because it's a lot, right? There's a lot of things that are now the source of truth that you can that you can transact on. So how do you sort of navigate that for clients and for yourself? It's definitely interesting for us as a publisher because if you think about outcome-based, so there's all different types of outcomes, but there's also brands that are trying to drive awareness of potentially a new product or a new brand altogether. So you have that awareness, sort of brand awareness, brand lift space, but you have the also the kind of purchase outcome space. And if you think about the way that we plan inventory or a buy is planned, the foundational elements that are missing while we talk about kind of multi-currency and new currency is how do we forecast that as a publisher? So, you know, your outcome is your outcome and you're privy to that information we may or may not be. And so how do we start planning our inventory that way? So you have to start thinking about for us because we manage all the data science around kind of audience modeling and targeting and segmentation. 
which segments lend themselves to which outcomes, which is something we've been working on for a long time. But then knowing that, how do we map that to our inventory and plan our inventory according to those outcomes? Because if you come to us and say, we only want to pay you for, you know, X outcome, but we want to buy all the impressions we always bought Mm -hmm. that, you know, that were bought in age and gender, well, then the CPM would have to to be vastly different and our ability to plan the inventory has to change. So I think we don't probably talk about it enough, but there's some kind of we're going to have to run some concurrent traditional kind of mm-hmm. currency and then new currency to understand fundamentally how this even works from a math and an inventory perspective. And I think we don't talk about enough that piece. And it's for the buyer too. How do they plan? Like how much inventory should they be buying against these outcomes? And then how does it move around and how do we think about it? But I don't think we we talk about that part enough. Yeah, it's super interesting, right? Because the whole conversation is is very much like we need to move on from Nielsen. Here are the options. But there is going to be this really big transition period where you have to continue to do planning and buying the old way on top of some of these newer currencies that are coming out. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because we hear so much about panel based and one to one. And, you know, is this probabilistic or deterministic? But in reality, if you think about what's going on with third party cookies and the ability to use pixels effectively, all of those things, you kind of land yourself back in a place where there's a panel involved. Yeah. Because if you can't resolve the identity appropriately, you're back kind of what everyone's trying to to push away from. One can argue about how, how big should a panel be to be representative? And Samba does a lot of great work in, in how they think about reconciling dissensus. And that's part of why we chose to work with Samba many years ago is because of the numbers of sets, the amount of glass that they're in. And it spans very different levels of sort of which kind of smart TV is it so that you have a very much more diverse representation of whether that be kind of household income level or which television in the household, is it? Mm-hmm. All of those things we have to to continue to kind of work through and reconcile. Yeah. But ultimately, as you see the data ecosystem changing, consumers' opinions about how their data can and cannot be used, shared, et cetera, you land back in a place where there's probably a panel involved, ultimately. <laughs> yeah. I think, it's a, I think there's some, some serious hazards ahead of us in this sort of race to toss Nielsen. Like I think that you've got companies slapping things together that were basically just producing PowerPoints a few months ago and now sort of putting currency on the doorstep. Like I don't think that's the face of currency for the future. Nielsen does a perfectly good job doing what Nielsen does. We don't need six startups to do what Nielsen does. We need to figure out where's the puck going, where's the innovation and what's new and possible as a result of massive amounts of data that we now create that you weren't able to measure before and you weren't able to optimize for before. And, and I think that's really what brought us together with, with Disney is Nielsen does a great job. Comscore does a great job of what Comscore does. We're looking at what are the new things that we can do that really transform the business for the client, you know, for the agency and the brand that ultimately we can slot in right next to the legacy transactions that, of course, are still the majority of transactions this year. But with the backdrop of what we're doing together this year, we can also now create new forms of currency for all future years. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm kind of smiling because it's like it's so ad tech, right? To be like, oh, measurement, we can do that now. Like <laughs> pivot, pivot the business. <laughs> and I will say, um, you know, like if you're buying data from all over the ad tech universe and slapping it together and creating a currency, that's a really hazardous thing to do. 
One for privacy reasons, like we don't know where that's going to land, but we'll probably get some new legislation this year on privacy. And so a lot of these things need to get sorted out. But more than anything, what's your source of truth? If you're buying data off the shelf, um, what's your truthiest, like strongest signal? You know, and it can't just be that my data scientists are really smart. You know, because if if that was all that it took, you know, Nielsen wouldn't be wouldn't have lost accreditation. Right. Um, you know, it's really about like, do you have a first party data lens that you can know is is real that then you can use to then calibrate all the other data sets that come available, including first party data sets from the client. And so I think that's where the puck is going. Like that's where we need to be is connecting first party data sets, Disney's with their clients augmented by what we can bring through our platform on smart TVs. And that's a really, really strong signal for the future of currency. Yeah. I mean, to your point, the data ecosystem is changing. Cookies are are going away. Not that that's a, a TV specific issue, but it, it's the, the way that the industry uses data, sources data, applies data. It's all changing. Dana, talk about Disney's audience graph and, and how you as a company are thinking about data and identity and measurement in a post-cookie world. So our audience graph is specific, the, the one that I'll speak about is specific for advertising purposes. So as a publisher for advertising, and we've crafted it over many, many years to really bridge that gap. So that we were talking about earlier, cross-platform. So we're actually able to do that in-house with the graph that we've built to, to bridge across linear, what I now call traditional digital, and then connected TV streaming so that we can look at the audience across. And that graph then fuels everything we do from an audience segmentation perspective. So we have Disney Select as sort of the product that is fueled by that audience graph. And we have 2,000 kind of off-the-shelf audience segments that someone could come in and buy advertising from us and then target against that particular segment that we built. And it's all fueled by that graph. Very cool. So what went into building that? I mean, that's got to be a lot of work. Well, we have a great team. So I was laughing when Ashwin said, it can't be just because our data scientists are smart, but it can be. (laughs) You still need smart data scientists. It really can be. Um, So yeah, we have a great team of data scientists. And many of us started out in the um, Disney interactive business when that was sort of a standalone entity at Disney. And we worked on the apps and games business. And so in that business, it is so critical because everything is about your cost per install of the game and and a a lifetime value within that game. And so you're constantly doing that math really in real time to determine all of those behaviors and how things are connected together. And when someone goes to the next app, you know, versus buying a new life in this app. And so that was sort of the foundational. And then we sort of realized, wait a minute, this has applications far outside of what we're using them for. And that's kind of how we graduated into the, the advertising business. And so we have a team of data scientists that really unique backgrounds, which is, I think, part of what makes what we've built really special is that the perspectives are so broad. I mean, we have someone who came to us who worked at the FBI. Oh, wow. We have another person that was sort of a social media marketer on our team. And so it's a really diverse kind of in every way team of people that built this graph and it's those perspectives and like that focus on what is best for our guests, for our consumers and what are we doing? Does this make something better for them rather than, well, we're really smart so we can do this, right? It's more about, 
I'm only doing this if it is going to make the experience better. It's yeah. Super important. And I think that's a big industry shift, just like putting the consumer back in the center, right? Like, let's not just do things because we can. Let's actually make a good experience for the consumer. So talk about like, this is, you know, this is a big change for a company like Disney, right? Like you were saying that you came out of the interactive business, there's social media marketers on your team, there's someone from the FBI. Like, talk about how the skill sets and the go to market are changing around this new ecosystem. It's interesting because in the long history of the Walt Disney Company, people don't always think about the degree to which data was always foundational, even before the internet. Right. So the way that the parks were established and built and thought of from the very beginning, they're inherently were about the consumer being first and the data to make sure the consumer remained first and remained happy. So it's, it really is a foundational part of the company, despite the fact it feels like, oh, wow, you know, Disney has a team of data scientists that's building things for advertising, but it's really foundational to the company as a whole. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I've seen, and I'm sure, you know, Samba sees it as well, is there used to be a time in my career, certainly, where you were begging people like, listen, I have some information. It might help you, you know, and you're kind of knocking on the door like, I know you didn't invite me, but I really want to tell you this cool thing I saw. And now it's the opposite. Now it's like, oh, wait, you can't be there. Okay, we're going to change the meeting. And so people's level of interest. And and I had a really interesting conversation actually yesterday with someone here in Ken talking about how you balance the art and the science mm. and how you don't take away the creativity. I mean, the Walt Disney company is a storytelling company and the creativity, you don't ever want to diminish that because there is so much value in someone's instinct and gut when they have that kind of creative talent. So how do we use math and what we do to only give them information to make what they do better, but not to ever diminish that kind of creativity and instinct. I think that's what the whole industry is grappling with around data right now. Like there was this really like big excitement around data in the past, right? Like let's just use data because we have it. Now it's a lot more like, is this going to improve the consumer experience? We're seeing how ad supported is evolving on streaming and how that's going to be a different experience for consumers. So yeah. And I think to your point on the flip side, creatives are getting a little less scared of data, right? Like they're using it as a tool to help them get to the insight they need for their audience. So it's interesting to to see that for sure. So Ashwin, Samba just had its first new front presentation. How did that go? Uh, it was it was great. It was great to be able to talk about some of the work we're doing with Disney, with some of our our major clients on both the brand and agency side as well. But what was unique about the new fronts this year is it's the first time that you know measurement companies um, actually appeared. You know, mostly the new fronts is about media that, that's being brought to market by digital media companies. The IAB asked us to show up and we were kind, you know, they were kind of basically give us a place to really educate the marketplace on a few things. One, obviously the arrival of streaming video and just to quantify just how impactful it is in the consumer lifestyle, but also to talk about how this really comes together on top of linear to create a much more attractive form of branding. We actually feel like there's still inertia in the industry of people who have made major investment in linear television, they're not sure how to basically move budget into streaming out of the concern that you might just be reaching the same people. And that redundancy is something that we all know as consumers. When we sit down to watch television, you see the same ad over and over again. That's a real problem. you know. And if you're a marketer, you're thinking, well, this is really wasteful. 
So what we were able to produce at the New Fronts this year is a, is a new form of currency. We call it ICPM. It basically allows advertisers to only pay for an incremental impression that comes on top of traditional television. So this was very much positioned for that marketer that's trying to move linear budgets into advanced TV, into streaming video, but doesn't want to reach a redundant audience and really wants to make sure that that budget's well used. We know that this is a very massive segment of the population today, and it just can't continue to be ignored. So we want to create a, a really smooth on-ramp for that, uh, that investment. Yeah, to your point, I mean, we're talking about putting the consumer first, and that definitely is an issue, right? Like over-frequency of, of ads being served. Is this the way to solve it, or, or is it going to require industry collaboration? Like, How do we make that experience better? It, it is definitely an on-ramp. It's an on-ramp solution. We know that there's... like When you think about the time spent uh, in front of traditional television relative to streaming, there is still too much investment tied up into traditional TV relative to where consumer attention is. And so what Disney is doing is really what the future looks like. It's where they're saying we're completely flexible. We're, we're thinking of a single currency that cuts across all video. That's where we think the industry needs to go. Of course, for the capital or sort of the investment that's still tied up, we want to make sure that they that there is a very easy way to, to get in. But the measurement that Dana was talking about, the ability to deduplicate traditional streaming digital and have major media companies like Disney able to provide that to their customers is really how the floodgates going to open and we get a lot more flexibility for the client. Interesting. So Dana, talk about how Disney is is approaching that and also like how you're just thinking about evolving the ad experience in general on on Hulu and then, you know, Disney Plus is also going to launch an ad tier. Yeah, it I mean, it's interesting the incrementality thing is is something we've been talking about so much. And so as I mentioned before, we we think about it as not only incrementality, but supplementality, because there's certainly people who are consuming both. So what does your message look like on traditional linear television versus what your your message looks like on a mobile phone versus what does your message look like on connected TV? So people who are using all three, what does the supplemental message look like? And maybe there's, you know, there's plenty of standalones, not maybe there are, that it is 100% incremental. And so what does that introduction or message look like to the incremental user on that platform that is not going to have the frequency from the other platforms? So we're really trying to think about how we address incrementality. And you're thinking about paying for the incremental audience, but also how do we address that just from the perspective of that you still want to re-message, right? And so in the case of a re-message, that's not necessarily an incremental audience but it's an incremental action. So how do we think about that from an outcome perspective? Right. Sort of looking at the consumer journey. Mm -hmm. And if I already saw an ad on, on my mobile device, what does that follow-up look like on TV for me? Correct. And your, your willingness to take action on a second screen. Right. right? So the, the action may happen on the second message on the second screen, which is not the incremental message, but how do we think about, how do we think about that? Yeah. It's super interesting. So, Coming out of the upfront this year, how much of um, you know measurement incrementality? It's obviously a big a big topic of conversation, and we write about it as the press. But how much is it really happening behind closed doors, making deals on these currencies? Like, where would you say the industry is this year, and and what might happen next year? Yeah, so I'm not in the the sales side, so I'm not in the the upfront conversations. Just to be very clear, but but what I will say is there has to be some concurrent measurement that's happening. 
because you you don't just switch to an all new currency. We don't switch from the dollar to something else because on a whim we decided that there sort of has to be a unification and an agreement there and an understanding of what the currency is worth. And so if you're not running multiple forms of measurement concurrently to understand, wow, we had chosen this particular vendor and its answer to the same question is 80% different than this one. And so there has to be, and some brands are being very smart about it in terms of they're doing that now. Okay, these five vendors, we're going to run them all at the same time and we need to understand the difference because we cannot plan and we can't agree to pay on something, not having any idea kind of foundationally what it's worth if that makes sense. So those are the kinds of conversations that I'm hearing and that we are having, whether you know it's a brand level or a holding company level, is how do we fundamentally understand the underlying value before we switch over to some other means of yeah. interacting with one another. Yeah. It does sort of feel like a big test year, right? Like everybody's testing. Do you think that will go on for a few years or? I would say probably the next couple cycles mm-hmm. of upfronts, just again, you go back to forecasting, you go back to value. How do you plan your buys completely differently? You know, if you're executing on the front end. So I would say the next couple cycles, we'll see a lot of that. And then, and hopefully we'll kind of settle in mm-hmm. to what the value exchange really is. Interesting. And Ashwin, my, um, my prediction question for you is AVOD, right? It's becoming much bigger. We're seeing even Netflix saying that they're going to launch an ad-supported tier. What are you seeing in terms of you know consumer uptake of AVOD services, and how do you what what how's that opening the playing field a bit? Yeah, it's a great question. Very topical. I mean, what we're seeing in our data is we're we're hitting saturation of how many subscription services the market will accept. Hulu basically pioneered this idea of having a, a pure ad-supported non-ad model with also an, an hybrid. And they've had tremendous success with it. I think the public numbers are about 70% don't pay for removing the ads, 30% do. And I think the competitive set are, are really struggling to figure out how do you really continue to grow a subscriber base um, because we're, I think everyone's sort of feeling that saturation in their businesses. What's not saturated is the ad supported model. The AVOD model continues to, to grow and it gets easier and easier for consumers to move between services the smart TV interfaces and everything that's going on in streaming video allows us to move and cherry pick from service to service. And um, and really giving consumers an option to do that is, is going to be table stakes for all the major streaming providers. I think Disney's done a phenomenal job. Obviously, they've got Hulu, but they've also uh, will probably have an ad supported model for the other services ahead of the pack. The others are, are probably going to try to catch up. Uh, my, my guess is that Netflix has got to do some serious heavy lifting to get into the competitive set that gives consumers that choice, especially in the US market, where we're seeing that, you know, once you get past two or three subscriptions per household, it really drops off a cliff. Mm. Like you're you're talking about really slim pickings to get just another service on someone's credit card. And that's where the uh, the ad smart ad supported model really takes off. Yeah. Dana, just add your thoughts about like Disney's strategy with that AVOD and, and what the company's thinking. Well, Ashwin's exactly right. You certainly don't hop into an ad-supported model overnight. Within, Hulu's been built over time. ESPN Plus was built that way over time. And so it's, it's a difficult process to understand how to, how to have that offering and do it well. But the other thing it brings to the table, I think that people don't talk about enough, is it opens up a much more diverse audience. Because you think about price point, you think about the number of services you're willing. And to me, that's a great thing. You're open, it's accessibility. Mm-hmm. So you're opening up opportunities to content, to information 
that maybe was not accessible to some before. And so I don't think we talk about that enough, but how much we're creating a broader, more diverse audience by having an ad-supported offering. Yeah. And I think it just goes back to the point of advertising is to fund content and information, right? And getting back to that, explaining that to consumers, reminding them that that's the purpose of advertising is, is important. So... Well, this has been a super interesting conversation. Thank you so much for being here with us. And um, I hope you have a great week in Cannes. Thank you. Thank you. You too. 